Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. This week, I'm joined by the rather lovely Heleth Kendrick. Uh, it is Heleth, not Heled. You're going to come on to understand why in a moment, Welsh, as I understand it. And Heleth is the founder and CEO of the multi-award winning social enterprise Recruit for Spouses, or RFS. Heleth had no idea about the career prejudices military wives face until she became one herself. So she decided to do something about it, as all great entrepreneurs do, of course. And she set up a business to help military spouses and shape the way modern businesses source and retain quality employees. Quite a calling. I am really excited to be speaking to Heleth today. She's a, a super lady, comes highly recommended. I knew nothing about her, but my research uh, into her, her life, and all the amazing things that she's achieving has really got me buzzing about today's podcast. Heleth Kendrick, welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Very well. And how are you today? Um, tell us, first of all, about your name, because we do have a, a few little connections, uh, not least the fact that we have a name that everyone mispronounces. Yes, it's a name that is often mispronounced because it's spelt with a double D at the end. So often get called Heled, um, but it's Heleth as uh, pronounced in Wales. So I am from Wales and uh, don't have much of a Welsh accent anymore. But yeah, that's uh, that's the origin of my my name is that it's a, a difficult name to pronounce. And I'll tell you another thing that's going to be difficult is covering everything that you've done and achieved in your life in the next 30 minutes. But we'll do our we'll do our level best. I left to, to do just that and to share, um, you know, some of the, I, it's not just the incredible things you've achieved, it's what you stand for. But I think also, as many of the listeners around the world on this podcast, uh, they often write into us and say, you know, I've got this idea, I've identified a problem, uh, I've, got, I've got this sense of calling in life, and then don't do anything about it, you know, find it really difficult to kind of get at starting blocks in life. But you've, you know, you, you, captured the imagination of many, many people. You, you identified a, a clearly a, an obvious issue, a problem in a particular, let's call it a marketplace, a need for certain people to be served in a certain way, and you went about and did it. So really, really interested, first of all, to know about your background and what led you, because kind of my spies tell me, freelance writer, editor, kind of seems a strange change of direction. But tell us what led you to RFS. I never, ever wanted to be an entrepreneur. I just always worked. I, I grew up in, in a very small part of Wales, a small town, uh, left school with no qualifications, the usual entrepreneur um, sort of journey, really. And I wanted to ride horses. And I, I left home at 16 and I moved to America and I lived there in Canada for five years and I traveled the world and I had this idea that I wanted to be an Olympic uh, sports person but I was never that good so I but it did teach me a lot about getting up every morning and just just getting it done getting stuff done um, showing up no matter what was going on that day just just being you know consistent um, and then 
I got married, you know, a few years, quite a few years later and found myself as a military spouse. And when I was working with the Olympic teams, one thing I learned was if, if your environment isn't right, you do something about it and you change it. And I kind of grew grown up with that sort of attitude that I adapted to my to my immediate environment. So, yeah, I found myself married, um, called a dependent. They call you a dependent in the military and they move you into a house. They move you every two years and and nobody could work. So that's that's really how it started. Wow. Um, I want to pick up on three words that you've just used that really resonate with a lot of people that listen to this podcast, Helen. And you said, I believe I'm right in saying environment isn't right uh, and therefore you do something about it what's really interesting about what you've done is is the action uh kind of tacked on to the end of this of this theory that something has to be done and we get countless every week countless emails and calls and and social media messages from people saying i've got this problem uh, i want to do something about it i just don't know how you you kind of make it sound like change is is almost as easy as shelling peas how how did you do something about it first of all you've you've identified the problem that you were faced with but how does that journey start you know you said you didn't want to be an entrepreneur you had your mind focused on other stuff how how do you go about moving forward from a stationary position that's a really good question. And I, I remember that I say to my team, don't ever forget what it is like to be that person who can't find work. And I think my why was really strong. Uh, Simon Sinek talks a lot about your why, but actually that passion and that drive was far stronger than making money. It's far stronger, you know, and it that first 50 pounds was more important to me than the first million, for example. So that why has been so, so strong. And it's it's almost like go back to your environment. Is there something in your environment, immediate environment that you can change? Is there something that, you know, you, you're, you're using or is be a pair of shoes or something that you're using that you could change? And I think my, my, need to change something was really strong and it was it was a challenge and actually I I didn't have any money um I you know I had I had to borrow the first hundred pounds to start the business I didn't even know what a balance sheet was I had no idea about shareholding and I made countless mistakes but I think along the way that why was really really strong and the more I met people the more conversations I had in my environment and my community the more I realized that needs to change and it and money wasn't a driver it was changing that narrative so and my confidence I've never to this day had loads of confidence or loads of ego and I think particularly in the military they don't like people with loads of confidence so all these things started, but it was my why was was the really strong strong thing. Yeah, it's interesting because we've heard that from a number of guests who have achieved extraordinary things in the past, that that real sense of purpose. And as long as you stay focused on that, it, it helps to be a, a driver, even when things go wrong. Because as you as you very openly and honestly admitted, countless mistakes along the way, that's an inevitable part of, of success. So what exactly does Recruit for Spouses do then, Helen? For those people who are you know, listening to you for the first time, don't know who you are with great respect and are kind of fascinated by the sense that you can get military spouses into work you've already mentioned the fact that there's this kind of two-year cycle so that presents I guess the first problem which is the the temporary nature of employment within the military for for spouses how does RFS actually operate what do you do for people specifically I think I'm right in saying it was it was a number of years ago uh 2000 
17 you got your thousandth spouse into work which is amazing (laughs) yeah that was we're hitting quite a lot of those um we're smashing a few of those um yeah making a lot of new ground now and so essentially what we do is we we I'm a military spouse myself so when I got married I, I the reason I set it up I knew nothing about the military nothing about the army at all um and it was such a, a foreign sort of world to be dropped into um and essentially what we do is we specialize now in setting up remote teams of workers so we have military spouses that's husbands wives partners all over the world that work remotely for our main clients so we we effectively a social business and we uh you know we're a recruitment business as well so yeah it's uh it's very very busy and typically what sort of work are you finding is it very diverse or do you have a very small number of clients like large businesses that you're recruiting for yeah so we recruit for anything from virgin um ams which is a huge sort of recruitment organization which works with the financial with the defense sectors but also you're you know it can be an entrepreneur or a person just wanting two or three hours a week we we work with everybody but the interesting thing with us is that we are so vastly um skilled so for example we get married, we get that ring on our finger, and then we move to sort of, you know, Kinloss, north of Scotland or Australia. We could be posted anywhere in the world at any given time. So actually your career is definitely put on the back as a, as a sort of trailing military spouse or married to somebody serving in the, in the forces. You, you have to subjugate your career in order to... Um, you know, to follow the flag, really. And it's quite a very antiquated, old fashioned word, a sort of way of describing it. Um, and some people even thought that we're a dating agency if they don't know anything about us. But actually, behind what we do is, is we say we are the force behind the forces. I mean, the, the, the men and the women that serve for our, our you know, our country, there's 10,000 um, serving personnel that are uh, deployed every year. Um, and you, you, you know, you go back, they've all got families, they've all got partners. Um, and it's it's how do you support that? And if you support that effectively, you can you've got a very strong uh, fighting force effectively. Yeah, well, I'm fantastic. What you're doing is incredible. Uh, and you know, I think the one NHS possibly, uh, well, definitely that the the military. I mean, these are all people that I think I speak for certainly everyone in the UK uh, and far further corners of the earth as well that that listening to this podcast. Um, you know, salute all those serving personnel that, that keep us safe. So it's amazing that you then support their families, which is such an important part of the, of the overall uh, process, I guess. The, the best programme, I'm really interested to know about what you actually do within RFS. So tell us if you would, Helleth, about the, the best programme. Yeah, so the best programme is a keynote speaker course that I went on in March, uh, a phenomenal course. And the reason I, I did it was because, so going back to the military, um, a lot of people that support those in the military community are in charities and in the charity sector. And I really firmly believe that this was a business. It had to be a sustainable model in order to be a success um, and a social business in that as well. We're going through B Corp. And the reason I went on to be on the um, best program was that I was being asked to speak a lot. I was I was being put in front of a lot of people um, quite frequently and then told, right, talk about what you do. And it was like, oh. and so the best program, um, I kind of took a bit of a leap of faith. And while, you know, I did it and it was phenomenal and I absolutely loved it. It gave me confidence, the ability to understand how to speak. Um, they put us on stage in front of Le Mis and we, we had to do sort of singing and 
and comedy, stand-up comedy and, and, you know, ice baths and all this really completely talking about out of your comfort zone, six o'clock in the morning, standing with the first morning with a load of strangers and then have to sit in an ice bath for two minutes was not my idea of fun, but it, it really did make you think outside that box, that creative piece that, that is so important for, and it gave, it gave me a lot more than just being a, a good keynote, I suppose. Have you passed on any of those skills that you've learned to some of the people that you help into employment? Because, like, you know, I guess that just like you, Hella, there are lots of people out there, you know, men and women, because although traditionally, I guess the military was, you know, male dominated. And so we were talking historically about wives. But of course, the demographic has changed a little bit. So for both men and women, uh, I guess a lot of them, you know, find themselves outside this comfort zone. You know, there they are. Uh, unable to to get work find themselves in an employable position thanks to you and your team but probably lack some essential skills how how do you support them in terms of uh developing those essential skill sets to get into work so if you look at that like the sort of there's a wheel of confidence for example and people say how do you build resilience how do you build confidence and actually you build confidence and you build resilience by being put in difficult situations regularly now a military spouse let's just look at a typical military spouse will get married and then you'll get posted as i described earlier you may 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 or not have children but every time you move you have to move into a new house you have no choice about where you live at all you don't have a choice about the house you then have to find doctors you then have to find a new school for your children god forbid your children are midterm my children are now teenagers but they had seven schools you know in in the first sort of eight years of their schooling so you can imagine that the sort of all the stuff that's going on and then all of a sudden your husband gets deployed for nine months and you have to find what well, you know get the mot the car fixed you have to mow the lawn you have and you can't complain you just get on with it so already within our community of we've currently got around six and a half thousand military spouses that we're working with you've got these incredible skills people call them soft skills but the reality is they're their skills, you know, adaptability, resilience, all those, and just get a job done. And when we put these teams of uh, mainly women, we have men as well, into a team of, say, Virgin, they just, they are just phenomenal because they just know how to get shit done, basically. They just know how to get on with it. And I think we really focus on making the spouse aware of those, those skills that they've already garnered because they do lose confidence and they may have done some incredible work. I mean, you know they've they've worked in some phenomenal places and they've got some amazing um we've i've got so many stories of women um you know who who were sort of doctors surgeons uh, midwives teachers scientists even and we even had a, a lady that worked for nasa um and yet they're they're really you know stacking shelves and sainsbury's not that there's anything wrong with that but they're feeling really devalued and actually they've got all these incredible skills so that's what we try and really bring out to the employer as well which is has its own challenges in itself <laughs> there's a there's a six letter word hella that um we get questions about from listeners more than any other and it's the word change and one of the reasons i was really excited to have you on the podcast is because uh, there is no one that, that epitomizes and deals with change on a more regular basis than you. And although we might be talking about getting military spouses into work, um, I think what you're sharing here is the fact that all of these prerequisites, all these attributes are required to be able to transition from one place in life to another. Discipline, um, resilience, uh, adaptability. Um, 
and you know what what you're sharing with us is just one way of doing that in a, in a particular sector but i think you of all the guests and, and there's been well over 200 uh probably are dealing with the subject of change um more comprehensively uh, than than anyone else what's been i mean there is a there is a fairly um wide ranging long reaching uh, series of awards and recognitions you were voted in 2020 as among the top 20 influences in 2019 as one of the top 100 social enterprises thousand uh, spouses into work in 2017 a special award for women in defense in 2016 big society award in 2013 what's been your proudest moment when when you achieve all of those amazing things Oh, well, do you know what? It's funny you said that. And somebody the other day referred to me as a successful businesswoman. And I said, I'm not a success. Gosh, this, you know, it's my team. I've got a phenomenal team. And I, they, they are just, every single person is better at what I do than, than me. You know, they're just amazing. I'm very lucky to have an incredible team. And actually, I'm, I suppose what I'm most proud of is is my team and and the way that they are living their lives and dealing with moving we've got a spouse that one of our team is based in turkey um and trying to get making sure that we could get her working the tax and all the tax code and that was okay but it's it's just the the fun the seeing them grow is is so rewarding and and they're, they're just great to work with i really enjoy working with them sounds like you're a very modest leader hello um, so what what, in your opinion, makes a good leader? What would your team, that incredible team that you um, so eloquently speak about, what what would they say about Helleth Kendrick that makes her so good at what she does? You know, I have really um, I think after Covid, it's changed a lot. And you look at leaders like Zelensky and you think that that epitomizes such a good leader, somebody who puts them first. And, and actually looking back on the on the Queen and how she serves the country. And I think you have to be their servant. You you have to be there for them and you have to be, able, you know, something happened last Friday. Um, uh, one of my team members, her son was in hospital and I was so, and I think you've got to really care. And that's been the difference. And it goes back to the, that first investor I had who invest, he was a soldier and he invested, um, he phoned me up. He didn't even know me and he invested 5,000 pounds. And I said, I just want 5,000 to build a website. I've got no money. I need to just start somewhere. And he said, I won't give you five. I'll give you 10. And I was like, what? And then within two days, the money was in my account. I didn't even have a bank account, you know, nothing. It was in my personal account. And when I met him uh, about six months later, I said, you know, why did you do that? Why did you put that money into my account? Why me? Why did you not but give it to, you know, a big military charity? And he said, because he'd just come back from two back-to-back tours of Afghanistan. And he'd went, he'd gone out with 30 and he came back with five that weren't injured or killed. So five people that weren't injured or killed out of 30 men. So that is a lot, you know, in your in your company, people that you work with, people that you get up every morning with. And, you know, you hear so many stories of men that were back in the day in Afghanistan where they were having their breakfast in the tent and throw, they were throwing up after their breakfast, knowing that one of them was going to, to get killed. And he said to me, he said, I held the hands of dying men and the last thing they said was look after her. Now, to me, 
that was my driver. And that always takes me back to serving. What, what can I do better? How can I do this? This is not about me. I'm just facilitating. I am merely, I've just built a car. I've just built a vehicle for, of which to supersede and make these people do what they need to do. And we're seeing now with the spouses, even their husbands have been injured, you know, even just 10, 20, 15 years ago. We're supporting those spouses now in their careers and, and helping them to gain their own self back, which for us is takes me right back to that look after her because that's what we do. And that's what I've created as a business that will, will do that. Gosh, what you've just said brought a lump to my throat because I think back to the time when my stepfather passed away. And, uh, in, in his uh, last few moments, I remember how he thanked me and charged me with the responsibility of looking after my family. Uh, and that that really resonates with me, and I'm sure it resonates with a number of other people. Not not least, I think, because we have unfortunately seen um, some fairly abhorrent acts in the world over the last couple of years. You've mentioned the Ukraine crisis, uh, but obviously all of the the death and and injury and and long term uh, mental illness that comes from from war and conflict. And uh, you know, quite aside from saluting everything that you and your team do, Heleth. Um, you've, you've talked about um, war uh, indirectly. You also work as a senior advisor, as I understand it, with Omid International. Uh, and you are supporting, as I understand it, getting refugees into work as well. So you're, you know, there are almost no boundaries to what you're achieving um, across, well, I'll use the military as a, as, as a fairly large and um, general comment, but Tell us about that work in particular. That must be particularly satisfying at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think I think with, uh, dare I use the word, success again, it comes a level of responsibility. And I, I remember the days when I was first starting out and I'd, I would literally phone. I remember phoning every single military charity and I would handwrite letters because everybody always got emails and not getting it and getting ghosted and ignored and just laughed at almost. And, and I remember presenting in front of the MOD and <laughs> I was pulled into Whitehall and, they, and they, it's called the Executive Committee of the Army Board. And I was very excited about this presentation. I was like, oh, you know, and I stood in front of all these very important senior people in the military. This is a long, this is 10, 11 years ago now. Um, and they said, what are you doing? And I saw, I've got this great idea and I'm starting this business. It's going to be a social business. And they said, well, we're going to stop you there. You can't do this. And um, they said, it's not goodwill. And, and, and I think it was, it was really around that challenge of, of overcoming so many doors that were slammed. Not only was I trying to create a, a business, but the MOD were like, can't have this, you're not having it. And doors were slamming in my face over and over again. And it was about how do I help that break those doors down? How do I, you know, go, go back, get a JCB and bash it down? Literally, I was doing every single time. And you know, when I then made a promise to myself that if I ever do get through those, you know, doors, I will help others. And I think I was introduced to um, a team of um, Afghans that were refugees over here. And when Afghan fell last year, um, we had to, we, I was involved in sort of the evacuation of some of them. And I was completely overawed and amazed by the talent that was available to, to our, our, you know, to the UK. And that we had, uh, we've got currently three thousand Afghan refugees here in in the UK, and it's it's about how do we help them access employment. So all I am to them is an advisor. I just help and support, and I've kind of 
sort of help them to see the the sort of a, a, a ability really to create a business and I've I said don't be a charity be a business let's let's make this a business so we've now got a there's a hub in Hounslow and uh, we have Afghan refugees working there um, that are doing media training their English is phenomenal um, and they've got an incredible work ethic and we've got a hub now in Istanbul so we're doing a lot a lot with that and also Ukraine we're starting to do some uh, supporting Ukraine families but again it's all very and it's all I've learned is just what I've learned from setting up a business in a challenging environment and then supporting them because I think it's a responsibility and I should do it. Um, it's not anything to do with the ego. It's not to do, look at me, this is great. It's just, it's really important work. It's helping them to live, helping them to have employment, helping them to access um, the, their communities. And they have so much to give. They're incredible people and um, very, they've got great sense of humor and I really enjoy working with them. I, I'm, I'm in awe, I'm in awe, Helleth, of, of what you're achieving uh, and have achieved. You, you talk about a door being slammed in your face, which, you know, is a metaphor uh, that means different things to different people. What do you say to people? Again, it's a, it's a common thing that we hear from listeners. What do you say to people who get that metaphorical door slammed in their face? Because for most people, it's kind of the end of the road. You know, that, that initial rejection, very difficult to pick yourself up and dust yourself down, which obviously you've done on countless occasions and you've, and you've prevailed regardless. What do you say to people who are confronted with that metaphorical door where it kind of feels like, well, that's the end. Let's now have to try something different because you have, you have prevailed and you've prevailed very successfully. And there is nothing special about me, Sandra. I mean, there really isn't. And it, and I know a lot of your, your podcast ho- ho- sort of people that you've interviewed have said the same, but actually that genuinely is it, is that my father, my late father would always say, when you get to the end of the rope, you tie a knot and you hang on. And actually, I just think, bring it on. I mean, I had just recently... Um, bumped into a, somebody who laughed at me 10 years ago when I was was setting up the business. And this person had said um, at the time, it will never last. You know, how are you going to do this? It's impossible. You'll never be able to achieve this. And I thought, it's only, there's that saying, isn't it? It's only impossible until it's made possible. And you've just got to keep going. And, and it's usually... And dare I use the term when it go, you know, giving birth, you know, you get to that point when you're giving birth, which is horrendous and never want to do it ever again, is that you think, I can't do this. I cannot do this. And just as you think, I can't do it, you know you're breaking through. And I think you've just got to remind yourself when all those doors, you've got to almost take it like a bring it on. Like listen to people like Graham Norton, you know, who 750 auditions he did before he got that one, yes. And it's it's the the all those stories of of people who just kept trying and kept trying and and I think Richard Branson talks about the only the only version of success is when you just keep going and I think if you've got an idea and you've got a passion and this there's, there's other, every single thing could be saying don't do it I mean I remember my husband standing behind me when it was really really and I had had to pay, I'll be really honest had to pay a VAT bill I couldn't afford it so I put it on my credit card I we couldn't afford to eat you know it was it was it was really and I was putting my business before 
my rent, my my everything. And I, I was I was selling, I was selling my jewelry, I was selling everything to keep my business going. And it, it took me ages to get a mortgage because I was just so focused on driving the business that I wasn't even putting myself first. But I look back now and I'm like, I'm really glad I did it because now my business is looking after me and it's in, as a result looking after thousands of people. So it's that again, that driver. Sorry, did I go off on a tangent then? <laughs> you didn't. I, I could listen to you all day. I want I want you to keep going. Every time you get you every time you finish speaking, I thought, oh go on, let's say say some say some more. Um you mentioned earlier that you have encountered a few challenges and you've already mentioned the fact that, you know, you stood up in front of the MOD and they slammed a door in your face. And then you had the VAT bill you had to put on a, on a credit card and you couldn't afford to feed yourself. Um, it just, you've done, you've done it so beautifully and so modestly where it's just like, you know, it's my calling. If not me, then who? Uh, and I'm and I'm paraphrasing, of course, because you didn't use those exact words. But you just come across as so incredibly grounded, so uh, kind of in touch with yourself in reality, uh, very modest. Um, seek to praise everyone else rather than yourself. Um, I guess I, I guess the the question that I have for you is um, kind of what is it about you as a person is there anything in the background that's kind of made you who you are made you this this kind of resilient tenacious person is it about learning from all of life's mistakes how how do you i guess the question really is those those challenges that you've had is it just listening to the your, your father who said you know tie a knot on the end of the rope and hang on is, is it something as simple as that? Or how, are there certain lessons you've learned along the way that have made you who you are? Any kind of life lessons that I guess you can share with, with listeners? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a few things, isn't it? And, and you, you know, they whether they define you or not. And I feel like I had a very charmed life when I was growing up. I was very lucky, had a wonderful childhood. You know, my parents had a, a house with lots of trees and we were always building dens and climbing trees. And I had ponies and you know we we didn't have loads of money um and my dad lost his business in in the first recession in the 80s and I remember that quite significantly and thinking how can I help what I I was I think I was eight at the time and I think I need to help my dad how can I do this and I wanted to wanted to be able to work I started working at 14 and I was always the underdog uh, because I never got any I, I I was very sick when I was 12 I had a meningitis and which developed into encephalitis and so I had to relearn um, th- basic things like walking and, you know, making a cup of tea. And so I still to this day get really bad headaches. Um, and then I, you know, I, I met my first love when I was 21 and I fell madly in love and then realised I wanted to, to um, sort of see the world. And I didn't want to just get married with kids in a small town in Pembrokeshire. Um, and, uh, you know, a year after I'd left, he'd taken his life. And I think I think certain things like that in your life happen and they they can break you and you can just be, oh, God, this is really shit. And, and you know, I was a single mum and, and it was all choices that I made. I, you know, I've, I had terrible relationships. I I made the wrong choices. I was a single mum. I, you know, and, and then luckily I met my husband, Neil, who is just just great. And, you know, he's he's you know, he's been a huge support to me and still is today. He's just even though he's thousands of miles away at the moment. But I think there's no one defining thing but I think it's the realization that 
we're on this planet for such a short time and positivity. And, you know, I've had shit times. I've had really, I mean, I remember, funny enough, I found a diary yesterday um, that I was writing in 2014. I had a team of directors. I stupidly thought, I need a board of directors. And I selected a few people who were the wrong people. And I remember sitting around this boardroom and they said, uh, right, we're going to do a vote. I was like, oh, this is exciting, a vote. Oh, this is very grown up. And and they just said, right, we're going to vote Heller's out of the company. And I was like, what? (laughs) And they all put their hands up. And I was like, oh, shit. And it took me 18 months to try and get my business back. And it was just the fact that I'd made silly mistakes and I had got the wrong people. And I, you know, but it's times like that when you just think, no, I've got to make this work. And I think being the underdog for so long, being a waitress, having shit jobs, having, you know, being a barmaid and clearing up the glasses and, you know, people being really rude to you and arrogant and knowing people like I will always be so polite to waiters and waitresses. And I'll, I'll start up a conversation with them now and I will judge people if they're, if they're rude to people. Cause I think unless you've been that underdog and cleaned toilets and clean, I mean, I've had the worst jobs ever. And you know, I, I think I, I didn't even get a job in McDonald's. You know, I was so, I had no qualifications. I think only until you've experienced being the underdog, can you, can you know that you, you not that you don't want to revisit it, but you've got to just keep going and that, you know, the world is your oyster and it is there for you to make. And if you've got, you're healthy, you've got, you know, you can walk, you can talk and you, you know, you've had incredible people on your podcast. It's, there's nothing special about us. It, we just want to, you know, get through it really. We've had another incredible person on the podcast today, Helen. Um, I'm trying to work out whether you are just normal, down to earth, grounded, or, or superhuman and exceptional. I think it's probably a bit of both, actually. Um, and, and the reason I say that with great respect is that there's lots of people, and I want everyone out there to, to understand that, you know, here we're speaking to a, to a lady today that, you know, has had her fair share of challenges. Um, I didn't want to mention um, some of your past, but you've, you've brought it up um, very, very openly. Um, it would be fair to say that your CV of challenges in life is as long as anybody else's. And here you are, you know, a super successful businesswoman helping countless thousands of people all over the world. Um, it, it's been a, a pleasure to talk to you today, um, Heleth. Obviously, very uh, humbling as well. I've got a couple of final questions. The first one, unsurprisingly, that everyone will want to know the answer to is how do we all connect with you? Are you a social media guru? Do we find you on social media? Is there a website, which I'm sure there is? That's a kind of rhetorical question. Uh, so just tell us how we can connect with you if we wish to. Yeah, sure. You can. I mean, if you Google me, Heleth Kendrick, um, you'll find. But as Twitter, Instagram, uh, my business, you can follow my business on recruitforspouses.co.uk. Um, but yeah, you can Google it and uh, we're, we're all over. We should be. All, it's, it's my team that does all my social media now at Instagram. And But yeah, you, you can find us on Google. Oh, that's good. So you and I know nothing about social media. That's good to know. Uh, we just employ somebody to do it for you. Um, and the final question, which I'm very interested to hear the answer to this one, is the only question we ask all our guests, Helen, and that is that, you know, taking into account all of life lessons from the, uh, from, from the loss of loved ones to your illness as a, as a young girl, uh, to the passing of your father, to the business, not being able to eat, not being able to pay the VAT bill, uh, your husband being thousands of miles away, uh, the pain of giving birth. All those other things thrown into one, you know, one bucket. If a younger version of Heleth came up to 
Helleth and said, so mum, all of life's lessons taken into consideration, all of the highs and the lows and the mistakes and the successes, what would be the one rule to live by if there was one that was one that I should heed more than any other? Humour. Always, always laugh. At, try and laugh at yourself. I mean, and try and see the funny side. That's what my father always taught me was, God, I mean, even you've got to every when it when it's really shit and things are really hard and and yeah I don't take it away from anybody people have had some hugely challenging things to deal with over the last few years I think is is humor and I think that's all you can do is is laugh and try and just see the funny side in life really I love that that's a great answer I think you might be the first person that's ever ever come up with that one um and I've noticed you've used the word shit quite a lot which is a which is, uh, and I'm, I'm, listen, it, nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing wrong with that at all. I think, it, I think it beautifully describes what you've been through. And yet here you are, um, you know, doing all the amazing things you're doing despite all of it. So I think there are some incredible lessons for people to learn. And as we talked about at the top of the show today, um, Helleth, um, I think the one thing you were very kindly, uh, you very kindly commented on was that th- this particular podcast gives a voice to people that wouldn't normally get a voice. So we're not talking about, you know, the the superstars and the celebrities and the multi-gazillionaires that a lot of people find it very difficult to relate to. We're talking about people who are slowly going about their business, changing the world one step at a time. And and it's great that somebody like you, um, who is, you know, a a superstar in the eyes of everyone that's listening to this podcast today already, um, it's incredible that you get given this opportunity to, to share your story and your message of hope and, you know, everyone, I speak on behalf of everyone listening to say, we're all right behind everything you're doing. So, Helleth Kendrick, thank you so much. I could go on speaking to you all day. It's been tr- terrific today. But long may you continue to do all the amazing things you're doing. Sandra, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed talking to you. And I hope that people haven't fallen asleep listening to this. I don't think they have one, one for one second. And of course, thank you to all of you for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast yet again. Uh, here you are nearly three years in. Uh, and you're still supporting us every step of the way, which we appreciate. Remember, we've got a a new guest every week to join us on the Sandro Forti podcast to share their own insights into achieving success or overcoming life challenges. And of course, Helleth has has shown us how to do both. Please make sure you subscribe, follow us on Twitter or Facebook. It's at Sandro's podcast. Don't forget the little S in the middle. And do let Helleth directly or us know what you thought of today's podcast. So do leave those uh, reviews on iTunes. They're quite important to us just so we know what kind of guests you'd like in the future. And if you do, of course, you might be uh, in with a chance to win one of the prizes donated by one of our guests. Finally, do connect with me. It's at Sandro Forti on Twitter and the real Sandro Forti on Instagram. Uh, thank you once again to Helleth Kendrick. She was an absolute superstar today. And to all of you out there from wherever you are in the world, goodbye for now and see you all this time next week. <laughs>